Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. I just want to say welcome. So glad that you're here for this series called New Beginnings. Uh, we're in week two of it. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Genesis 5, verse 1 through 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are the God of new beginnings, the God of promises. And we just ask that your spirit would be here with us and around us and working through us. God, I pray that everyone who is here in this room, those who are watching online, those who are going to watch later, God, that they'd receive from you the word they need to hear. Uh, These would be your words. Thank you, God, just for your grace. Thank you for the change in the fall and reminding us that that you're always doing new things in us and through us. In your name we pray, amen. You can take a seat. Have you ever eaten something that you knew you should not have eaten? Yeah, I think we've probably all been there, right? Um, Back in college, I was in our college choir, the chorale, and we got to travel some amazing places. Got to go to Italy my freshman year of college, and then my sophomore year of college, we went to Singapore, and then into Malaysia. Well, the morning we were driving from Singapore in this big uh, bus into Malaysia, I didn't eat breakfast that morning. And, and as we drove on and on, I got more and more hungry. And then we stopped like for like a, a rest stop bathroom break. And at this little kind of gas station in Malaysia, there was a A&W uh, restaurant attached to the gas station. And I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm really hungry. You know, A&W, that seems like a pretty safe thing. So I'm going to grab a hot dog here. And there in kind of the middle of nowhere in Malaysia, I grab a hot dog from A&W, and I start eating it because I'm so hungry. And about halfway through, I'm like, I don't know what this is, but this is not a kind of meat I am used to eating. It's some other substance. And uh, instantly, I saw it come back up outside the bushes of that A&W. Uh, it was not good. It was that moment where crystal clarity, like, never do this again, right? It's like, have you ever had gas station sushi? It's like, you, you know, don't do that again. We've all had those instances probably where we've eaten something that we knew we shouldn't have eaten. How many of us have listened to someone's advice that we knew we should never have listened to? Yeah, we've probably all have been there as well. What is it about us that oftentimes we will take, you know, we will listen to criticism from someone that we actually would never take advice from because the way they're running their lives is like, man, I don't want to be like you. But then we listen to the criticism they have about us. And then that starts to get down deep into our soul. And, and we realize, man, why did I allow that into my heart, into my mind, into my soul? Today, we're going to see a story where people ate something they should not have eaten. They listened to someone they should not have listened to. And the consequences were pretty dire. But I think we've all been there. We've listened to criticism. We've listened to a voice that we knew we should not have listened to us. 
You know, um, it's like on social media and, and, and advertising, we get this message that instead of just being content with our life and content with our possessions, you know, we get this message all the time, consume more, consume more, consume more, you need more, you need to be better, you need to do more. So how do we know what voices to listen to? How do we know how to tell the good voices from the bad voices and what to allow deep into our hearts, minds, and our souls? Because I think if you're like me, you're going to find that you've got these voices ringing in your head that you've allowed to to play, maybe in a loop. Maybe it's a criticism of, of your mom or your dad. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's just something that you've gotten so used to listen to that you think it's actually your own voice, but I think it is a voice that you should not be listening to. And that's what we're going to look into God's word about this. We're in this series called New Beginnings, going back to the book of Genesis. Seven years ago, as a brand new church, we went through the book of Genesis. We said, hey, it's a great foundational place to start as a church. Now we're going through again, and it's been so interesting. I've been looking at my notes, like I preached on this pastor seven years ago, and, and, and now what God's revealed to me is like completely different than what seven years ago uh, God was speaking to me on. And Pastor Ryan kicked us off last week on Genesis chapter 1, and that real that big idea is that you have been created on purpose for a purpose. You are here for a reason. If you missed that message, go back and listen to it. It was really, really good. But we see in Genesis chapter 1, that little video kind of highlights it, that God speaks, that he creates everything by his word. God understands his voice. He knows the power of his voice He speaks all of creation into existence. And everything that he speaks is beautiful. Everything he speaks is true. And then God said, let us make man in our image. And out of all the works of creation, this is the most personal and intimate. Face-to-face, nostril-to-nostril, mouth-to-mouth, heart-to-heart, God breathed life into Adam. We're the pinnacle of all that he spoke into creation. We are his ultimate work of art. We say, why the name Mosaic? Well, an artist takes broken pieces of clay, pottery, puts them together, form his work of art. We believe that's a great picture of the church. In the same way, God's putting us together, broken pieces, to form his work of art, his masterpiece. And the prophet Jeremiah says that even before we were born, even before we were in our mother's womb, God knew us. How can that even be, that God knew us before we were even born? But before we were created, we existed in the imagination of God. Then he spoke us into existence. God literally got his hands dirty in the creation of humanity. You are handcrafted. You are sacred. Your life means something. It has value and worth and dignity. All life is sacred and has dignity and worth and value. Amen? You were created on purpose for a purpose. Every human life is handcrafted by God. Everyone is unique. Some of us are just a little more unique than others, right? If that's your neighbor, give him a little elbow. But you were created to be the person that you are today. And he created you because he has great affection for you. So let's set the stage here for Genesis 1 and 2. Ryan kind of set us up last week, and now we're going to get into chapter 3. So Genesis 1 and 2, this is where everything is good. God has spoken it into creation. It's all good. 
They're eating fruit. The sun is out. Everyone's naked. There's R&B music going on. Everything is perfect, right? That's the setting we have today. And then now in Genesis 3, everything is going to go downhill. Sin and death and Satan and folly enter the picture. I think after we talk through this chapter, life is just going to make more sense. That's my hope. This is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. If you don't get this right, if you don't understand this, nothing is going to make sense. Well, let's go through Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Now Revelation tells us that the serpent is Satan, our enemy, our deceiver. And what we need to know is that Satan has been around a long, long time. Satan is smarter than you and me. He's seen humanity. He understands how to get us to fall into temptation. Now, it's important to remember that through Jesus and his work on the cross and his resurrection, we have ultimate victory over Satan, amen? But we still have to understand that we were born into a world at war. And there is a spiritual being, the serpent, our enemy, the dragon, who wants to destroy us. That's what he desires. And so we have to understand we were born into a world at war. Jesus has the ultimate victory, but we do have an enemy. And he's very smart and he's very, very crafty. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, is this what God said to them? No, God gives incredible freedom and liberty with only minimal restrictions. The serpent is saying, did God say you can't eat from any tree? No, that's not what God said. God gives boundaries, though. That's what good parents do. That's, God is a good God. He makes this one rule. But Satan comes, and he wants them to focus on the one thing that God has prohibited instead of all the good things that God has given them. That's how the serpent works. And now we see that Eve, she corrects Satan, the serpent, but then she's adding to the commands of God. She says, God said, don't eat this, but God also said, don't even touch it. We don't know why she adds to this, but it's so common for us as humanity to take the commands of God and then add our own things on top of that, to add extra burdens on that. That's what we would call the unnecessary burden of religion. We take the words of Jesus and say, well, actually, but if you don't vote for this candidate, then you can't really be a follower of Jesus. Or if you don't do this, you can't be a follower of Jesus. We have such a temptation to add to the words of God. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent, he's directly contradicting God. He says, no, really, God's a liar. But this whole temptation, it's not about fruit, actually. It's not about taking this from the tree. It's an issue of trust. It's do you trust God Satan will tell you that God is taking pleasure away from you, that God is holding out at you, that you can't trust him, that God is holding out. If you, if you look at the temptations that Satan has with Jesus in the wilderness, it's very, very much the same thing, that God is holding out at you, that there's, there's more for you. Satan's saying, if you obey God, he's going to keep you down. God knows that if you do this, you're going to broaden your horizons, but he doesn't want you to. This is the, the lie that the serpent brings to us today in the human race. If you obey God, you're going to miss out. 
You know, don't be generous with your time and your money. You're going to miss out on all the things you could do. You know, don't live in these bounds of sexual, you know, intimacy and the boundaries that God has set because you're going to miss out on all these other things. And if you obey the will of God, you're going to miss out on all these other options. You're not going to thrive and flourish. And that's the message our enemy tells us so many times. What's really interesting here, though, is that the serpent doesn't go after the existence of God. He doesn't deny that God exists. He doesn't deny the law of God or the holiness of God. He denies the goodness of God. He denies the, the love and grace and goodwill of God behind all those degrees. All those degrees. No, God is holding out at you. Uh, you should take this, grasp this for yourself because then you can be like God. You can be like God. So the serpent's tempting her that she can be like God. But what did we read in Genesis 5, 1 through 2? When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. So actually the serpent is tempting her with something that she already has in her identity. She was made like God. But for some reason, he's trying to deny that she actually is like God. You say, no, you can be like God, but the thing that he's tempting her with, she already has. I think sometimes the serpent comes into our lives as well and tempts us so that you can be happy. You can find fulfillment when you actually already have that. And, and he attacks our identity when we don't understand that. Actually, no, we were made in the image and likeness of God and we are dearly loved by God. See, there's this new voice now that is speaking to Eve and to Adam. He's saying you can become like God except they already are. And God gives them this one command, don't eat from this tree, but then they do it. And Eve takes the fruit, and she eats it, and she gives it to her husband, and he eats it. And instantly their eyes are open, and they're filled with shame. And then God comes to them and, and says, where are you? In verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They felt shame and brokenness for the first time. And so they tried to cover up with these fig leaves. And really, the rest of human history is about fig leaves. It's what can we hide behind to prevent this intimacy on our relationships? And we use religion, we use our resume, we use our possessions, we use our talents as fig leaves to try to cover up the shame and nakedness that we actually feel. And what does shame do? If you're taking notes, you can write this down, that shame is Satan's tool of connecting the act to our identity. There's a big difference between guilt and shame. See, guilt says I did something bad and I need to now have repentance. And we've talked about this repentance, it's the teshuva, it's that Hebrew word that you're going down a certain path and then you realize, oh, if I keep going down this way, I'm going to be lost. And so I need to turn, teshuva means to turn, and now I need to repent and go back a different way. And so guilt is that feeling of like, oh no, I've done something wrong. This is not good. I need to change. Shame is Satan's tool of saying that not just that you've lied, but you are a liar. Not that you've just cheated, that you are a cheater. 
that you are undeserving of love, that this is who you are. And so oftentimes we connect our acts with our identity, and that's what our enemy wants us to do. You did something bad, and so therefore you are bad, and so we try to hide it. You can write this down, that secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. So often we see this with kids. They do something bad, and they, they run away, and they try to hide. You look at something you shouldn't look at your phone, and, and, and you feel this guilt, and you feel this shame, and you want to hide it. But to truly have intimacy with God, you have to bring all that brokenness, all that mistakes to him. In your relationships with your spouse, for those of us who are married, we can't hide things. We gotta, we gotta bring that out into the open because ugly things grow in the dark. And things find healing when we, we expose them into the light. So right now, I wanna, I wanna encourage you, if there's something that you are hiding, eventually it will come to light. And you can't have the intimacy that you and I crave when you give in to secrecy. And so, who can you confide in? Who can you share if you have a secret addiction you need to help get over? We've had many people in our church struggle with alcohol and say, until finally they say, you know what, I've been hiding this. I've been, I thought I could control it, but I need some help. We've had many people in our church struggle with sexual sin and addiction and think they can just handle it on their own. They can just get their own fig leaves and try to cover it up. But secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. You gotta bring that into light. You bring it to God. Bring it to someone in your community group. Bring it to someone that you can walk with and do life with. Bring it into the light. There are people in our church who are struggled with anxiety and depression, thoughts of even suicide. If you try to just fight that on your own, if you try to just use your own fig leaves to cover it up, it's never gonna find healing. You gotta bring it into light. Bring it to God. And here's the good news is that God pursues Adam and Eve. God pursued Adam and Eve. And we're going to see that, that he doesn't just allow us to stay in the darkness and shame, but he's moving towards us. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the tree of the garden. Isn't that what we do too? Is we hide because we don't, we don't want to admit that we've messed up. Some of you I know, Maybe you struggle even coming to church on a regular basis because you have this secret sin, you have this shame, and you feel like, ah, I, I can't be with God. I gotta clean things up before I come back to him. God says, no, 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 bring it all. Bring all your, your brokenness and your shame and your guilt. Bring it to me because God is always pursuing us. He's reaching out to us. And the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Well, first, God reaches out to Adam, and he says, where are you? And I, I, I think God knew where he was. He, he wasn't actually like wondering, where is he in this garden somewhere? But God is pursuing them. He's reaching out to him. But God is holding Adam responsible for the condition of his family. Now, this is going to be maybe a slightly bit controversial, but I do believe that those of us who are husbands and fathers, God uniquely places our responsibility on us to lead and guide our families. That's what it means to be the head of your family, that you are responsible. And here's the thing, even when it's not your fault, you are responsible. You can write that down. That even when it's not your fault, 
You are responsible. You are responsible for your kids. You are responsible for your family. Are you taking that shepherding seriously? Are you talking about the word of God? Are you praying together as a family? Are you bringing them to church and making sure they're receiving biblical instruction? We live in a world where, honestly, men don't want to take responsibility. When's the last time you heard a politician say, yeah, I blew it, it was my fault? Or some athlete who gets into trouble? No, we live in a world where people do not want to take responsibility. But God says, no, you need to take responsibility for this. To the man, he runs away, and does God let him be? No, God is the one who pursues us and then challenges him. To Jesus, he's on a mission to seek and save the lost, just as God's calling out to Adam here, Jesus is calling out to us and saying, hey, where are you? I'm, I'm reaching out to you. I'm pursuing you. And he, said, and he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now, this is a strange question, right? Like, why did God ask them, who told you that you were naked? Well, God knows, hey, I didn't tell you this. You've been naked this whole time. You know, it's not like God felt awkward the first time Adam and Eve walked out, and he's like, oh, there you guys naked. Ah. You know, no, God knew they were naked, but he, he didn't say that about them. You see, up until now, everything in their universe has been shaped and formed by the voice of God. The garden they're in, everything good and perfect has been shaped by the voice of God. Everything they know has come into their souls through the voice of God. And now there's a new voice speaking to them. Who told you you were naked? God's saying, I didn't speak that into your life. I think many of us, from that moment on, have been listening to the wrong voices. We've allowed other voices to creep into our souls and tell us we are less than we actually are, that we don't measure up, that we could be more. Some of you, these voices have become so powerful that you think these voices came from you. Voices that make you feel ashamed. Voices that make you feel less than. Voices that tell us you will always be alone. Voices that say you are not worthy of love. Voices that say you aren't talented enough. You aren't good-looking enough that you will never amount to anything. Voices that say, hey, you need to try harder to earn that thing. You need to do better. You need to be someone else. Voices that say, hey, if you let people in your community group or your life know who you really were, they would reject you. That is not the voice of God. And these voices speak to you and to me and they damage our souls And these voices drown out the voice we're supposed to be listening to, the voice that spoke creation into existence. And so what does Adam do? Adam, what he should do is to shuva. He should turn. He should repent. He should own it. He should turn back to the one who made him, the one whose voice has been speaking into him. But instead, what does he do? He blames, he justifies, he excuses, he spins. And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Adam's like, hey, God, this is all your fault. Like everything started good. You gave me this woman. She's naked. She's cooking me food. It's all good. And now she's served me food that's recommended by a serpent. Like this is not good, right? This is not what I signed up for. He says, God, you messed up. You've made a big mistake. How many of you have said this to God about your spouse? 
God, you messed up. I wasn't supposed to marry this person. This isn't who I thought I was marrying. God, how could you do this? Adam doesn't repent. He accuses God and the woman of sin. People do this all the time. They blame, and so what does Eve do? Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. She says, I didn't do this. The devil made me do it. She's clearly a charismatic, right? She's saying, the devil made me do this. This isn't my fault. But Satan doesn't make us do anything. He's going to give you what you want, though. The thing that you desire He's going to give you the opportunity to grasp it. Then we blame, we justify, and we excuse. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is what's called the Proto-Evangelium. It's the first gospel. God preaches the first gospel. He says, you've messed up, but hope is coming. One is coming from your seed, who, although he'll be wounded by the serpent, he's going to crush the head of the dragon, and he will accomplish full victory. We are born in this world at war and conflict, but Jesus, he came, the seed of Adam and Eve and Abraham and David. And what did Jesus do? Jesus in the garden faces temptation. But instead of grasping what he should not have grasped, he laid down his own life. Instead of reaching out to that tree for what he should not have reached out to, he allowed himself to be taken onto that tree and crucified for us. And the promise of that hope is found right here in Genesis chapter 3. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. So you and I will never find healing in the dark. Shame grows in the dark, but healing happens in the light. And so what you and I need is spiritual cover. We need spiritual cover. When we keep trying to cover ourselves up with these fig leaves, the things that we do are to, to make ourselves look better, to feel better, to drink this thing or eat this food or buy this thing to make us feel like we're covering up our shame, that never works. The fig leaves don't work. What we need is true spiritual covering, and that's what God gives them here in this moment. As a picture to the one whose blood is going to be shed for us, who's going to cover our nakedness and our shame. See, Jesus was crucified naked on the cross so that his nakedness could be our spiritual covering. That we no longer have to feel guilt and shame because his nakedness on the cross covers our spiritual nakedness. So what voices are you listening to? Have you allowed these voices to come in and creep in Voices that tell you you aren't enough and you've been listening to them so much that now you need to get back and listen to the voice of the one who created you, the voice of the one who loves you, the voice of the one who's calling out to you. What you need to know is that there's nothing you can do to cover up that shame that you're feeling. There's nothing that you can do to, to help you feel that sense of, of worth and, and, and love that you need to feel. No sense of accomplishment, no sense of, uh, of getting that six-pack or whatever it is that you are desiring our only hope is in Jesus, amen? 
And we can look that on the cross, he was faithful where Adam messed up. And he accomplished what no one else could accomplish by taking all that guilt and shame upon himself and nailing it to that tree so that we can find forgiveness and hope. And now that same spirit that hovered over the waters of creation in Genesis chapter 1, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now can live inside you and me. And what an amazing promise that is. You and I were created for more. You and I were created to come out of the darkness and shadows and now to reflect Jesus to the world around us, to bring this story of hope to those and to say, hey, you don't have to be enslaved to these voices you're listening to. You can find freedom but it's going to take some work by listening to the voice of the one who created you, listening to the voice of the one who's calling out to you. And you can find healing, but you got to bring that out of darkness into the light. Whose voice are you listening to? I know for myself, walking with God for decades now and listening to his spirit, that those voices still come in, still try to say, hey, you're a failure. Hey, you're not measuring up to what you thought you would be. But see, then the voice of God tells me, you have a story to tell. And yeah, maybe over the last several years, you have done good things, you've done some bad things, there's been ups and downs, but you have a story to tell. And if you have a story to tell, we're not a failure. I don't know where you are right now in your journey. But... All of us go up and down, and, and you have a story to tell too. And now, if we listen to the voices God wants us to listen to, then we can speak and share his story with others. As we look back at our lives and see how he's working in our lives and in our story, and we share those stories. As we listen to the voice of God who tells us that we are significant, that we do have value, that we have something to do in this world, that you have purpose, you were created on purpose, for a purpose, and you need to listen to that voice, and that needs to be your sense of your identity. We're going to close with a worship song here in just a couple of minutes, um, but we, we printed off these kind of morning declarations, and last week we handed those out as well. Just to put them up on your, on your bathroom mirror, uh, put them up somewhere you can see on a regular basis. Last week we handed out that just to repeat to yourself that I was created on purpose, for a purpose, and just every morning, get up and share that to yourself. Because there's power in our words. There's power when we speak truths over our own lives. And this week we got another morning declaration. And what I want us to do is, I want us to stand and we're going to say this together. And you, you may struggle to believe it, but that's the power of saying things together. And I want you to know that you are created in the image of God to reflect his creativity. And that same spirit that hovered over the waters of creation is in you. And you were created to do good things. So let's stand together. And we're going we're gonna to read this out loud together. And then we're going to sing. And we're going to invite the Spirit to rest on us. As we, and then we're going to go out of here with the truth that we've been made to reflect and honor God. Let's say this together. I am a visionary 
I have been created to imagine what could be and to make beautiful things. I have been filled with the same spirit of God that hovered over the waters before the creation of the world. I have been designed by God to imagine what does not yet exist and then to find the courage and the strength and the faith to make it happen. You were designed for more. Do you know that? You were designed by creative God to reflect the creativity of God. I want you to know, each and every one of you, you are an artist, whether you feel that way or not. You've been designed to, to build things in this world, to do good for God. You were designed to, to imagine how can your life make a difference and an impact. And so this week, I want us to recognize that that in the same way that we serve a creative God who created and spoke all this into existence, you and I were creating that same image of a creator God. Now, what is it that God is speaking to you that you now can have the imagination and the faith to do? Is it you know, starting a new ministry, a new nonprofit? Is it speaking into someone's life? Is it having the imagination to say, you know what, this person in my life does not know God, and I am going to speak it into existence, that I'm going to find a way to share my faith with this person? I'm going to find a way to add value to my world around me and my work and my employment. I'm going to see what is lacking in the world around me, and I'm going to allow God and his presence to use me to make a difference in this world. We say a lot that we are here for good. We're not here just to be on a cruise ship and just taking care of until God takes us away. We have a mission, and that mission is to go and make a difference, to go love people, to go make disciples, to start ministries, to start churches, to build businesses that hire people, that, that add value to our communities. We're to seek to the good of our city, of our schools, to pray for them. We have this responsibility. Adam failed in the garden. He was supposed to take care of creation. But now through Jesus, we have a second chance to steward that responsibility well. And so you are a visionary. You have God inside of you. And now reflect that out and ask, God, how can I be your hands and feet? How can I make a difference loving a little child as a mom, as a dad, stewarding the business you have well, the talents, the abilities you have? What is it that God is speaking to you? And my hope and my prayer is that this week, as, as you speak this over your life, that you know you were created for more, that you are creative and that you now can ask God to reveal that and then to make it happen, that we too can create in this world that we're gonna ask in weeks from now and say, hey, what has God revealed to you? And then how have you had the courage to step out into faith and to make that happen? And I hope that we can share stories and encourage each other as we say, hey, this was a scary step of faith. I didn't know how it could be, but you know what? God revealed that next step, and I took that next step, and look at this. Look at this business I started. Look at this relationship I started where now this person is closer to knowing Jesus. What is it, that thing that God is speaking to you right now? And, and, and the only way we know that is by allowing the Holy Spirit into our lives to speak to us. And that's what we're gonna do during the song. We're gonna say, Spirit of God, come now, rest on us, and speak to us. Let's pray, and then we're gonna sing. God, thank you. You are a creative God. Thank you, God, that you are here in this place. Thank you that that same spirit that hovered over creation, that raised Jesus from the dead, 
is in us now as followers of Christ. So God, I pray that we would recognize that we are visionaries, that we are creative like you, and we have the ability to make things happen, to create ministries and businesses and new relationships and opportunities for growth. God, give us eyes to see how you want us to be here for good, how we can make a difference with our kids, with our nieces and nephews, with our our grandchildren, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our cities. And God, I pray that we would come back together and and be excited and hear about all the ways that you've, you've used us, that you've used our hands and feet, you've used our talents, our treasure, our time to make an impact. God, I pray that the people in this room would go out and make an impact in our, in, our, in our schools, in our cities, God, in this state. God, that we would steward well the resources that you've given us, that we would use our imaginations for good to see what could be. God, I, I pray for those who are right now just held captive, that their imagination has been used instead to see what could go wrong. God, you would set us free that we could walk in faith and boldness. God, I pray for, for those in this room who feel like they've been called to take a step out, uh, starting a new business, a new ministry, a, a new relationship, whatever that might be, and, and fear has held them back. God, I pray that they would find the courage to take that step of faith. They would know that you are with them wherever they go. And even if they mess up, even if they take a step and it does not go the way it should be, it's a story to tell, a story that will be inspiring to others. God, I pray right now in this moment, right here in this place, God, that as we sing these words, your spirit would fill us and would renew us, God, that we would be strengthened by you, that our hearts would be filled with hope, that our minds would be guarded by your peace. God, that as a community, we would love each other, we would serve each other, we would encourage each other, and God, we would exhort each other to take a step of faith. God, I pray this week in our Monday night men's group and Bible studies and community groups, God, that we would just be asking each other, hey, what is God speaking to you? What's the the next step of faith that you can take? What's that act of boldness I can be praying about for you? So let us encourage each other, exhort each other as we walk in step with your spirit. In your name we pray, God. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.